Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. I, um... Um... Um, um... Hmm. Um, hmm. um... You're listening to Linear Digressions. That was some good... That was some good podcasting we just okay, did there. So what was that about? <laughs> so in the course of editing our fine podcast here, This podcast that This you're very podcast, to. I began to notice a few things about myself. One is that I have a verbal tick where when there's a gap in what I'm saying, I tend to go, um, and I fill it. Uh-huh. This does not make for particularly compelling listening. So when I go back and edit, I usually take those out. And in the course of, of going through this process... Actually, wait. You take out mine too, right? Um. My ums. <laughs> I've gotten pretty good at taking out your so. You say so. I do say so a lot. Yeah. I say got it too. Now everyone's going to be listening for these things. Yeah. This is, this is bad. Yeah. So when you're editing a, a podcast, as you know, you have sort of the little waveform of the speech floating in front of you and you can make little cuts in it and it knits it back together. And so you get to have a sense, not just for the sound as you hear it, but also for the shape of the waveform as yeah, it's happening. You can see the sound visually. Actually, as we're recording this, I'm watching my screen and I'm watching our voices turning into a waveform, this little shape that gets thicker when we're talking and goes flat when we're quiet. That's right. And I was finding that I actually, after a little while, could tell by eye when I was very likely saying, um, because it has a fairly distinctive shape. Yeah, very a, often there's there's some contextual evidence. And there's a brief silence and then a little um. Yeah. And then another brief silence and then you go on saying what you're saying. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could make an um detector. Oh my gosh, of course you thought they that. They could figure out when this is happening. Because if I can see it with my eyes, then there's a good chance that there's some machine learning algorithm out there that can figure this out. And I don't know if we would go so far as to actually deploy this as an editing tool or something, but just to see if I could do it. So that is what I'm going to be talking about today. This is a project that I'm working on sort of nights and weekends. An um detector. An um detector. <laughs> For a podcast. And it is not finished yet. We are midstream right now, but I've actually learned a lot in what I've done so far. And I think there's a lot of value in taking a step back and actually talking about this process as it's unfolding, instead of just showing you a finished product and being like, ta-da. Yeah, so this, here's a real project. You're not done with it. It doesn't quite work. Not yet, no. And we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. So, so what was your data set, first of all? The data set was the Fisher Faces podcast that we do, okay. we did. So I went through and I have two different versions of this podcast. One where I've marked where all the ums are. This is just the raw stuff. And then we also had an edited version. This is the one that we used where a lot of these ums were taken out. And so it's much more, I'm not gonna say that there are no ums in it because there might be a couple, but the number of ums has been very much reduced. <laughs> Let me put it that way. So we have sort of a sample that has a bunch of ums in it and a sample that we know is mostly not ums. So I have my, my marked up sort of signal sample where my signal is my ums. Mm -hmm. I write a little Python script that takes the markers in the AIF file and figures out sort of what frames of audio that corresponds to. So you have this little window and all the frames inside of there are an um. Frames being uh, samples. They're like ones and zeros-ish numbers that correspond to 
a particular amplitude. And if you take a whole bunch of those and you play them back really, really fast, then you get a sound and that's what you're listening to right now. Yeah, and the is, numbers are what you see when you're actually watching the waveform in your sound studio program or whatever. Yeah, or often, oftentimes compressed. But generally speaking, what you're hearing is just a bunch of numbers that have been translated into sound. So you're taking those numbers and you're feeding those numbers into a machine learning algorithm eventually. The first thing that I did then is I, I get my AIF file reading in. I had to figure out how to decode it, and this actually took some Googling to figure out how to turn this encoded audio file into just the numbers so that I could use the numbers. So if you just read it out naively, you get a bunch of like upside down question marks or something. So we turn it into numbers, and then the next thing that I did was just looked at, I drew the waveform in matplotlib for 49 ums. I'm a very prolific um 49 person. ums? Yeah, there were, wow. 50, there were 55 in Fisher Faces originally. 55 ums. There were 55 ums in yeah. that episode? Yeah. That's um, yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. So we had four, I, I looked at 49 of them because you can make a nice little seven by seven square. This backed up the hypothesis that I have that while there's not a perfect shape that distinguishes an um, there is kind of a trend there, and this might be something that a machine learning algorithm could pick out. The next thing that I did, and this was actually a little bit subtle, when you say um, it can have a variable length. So I can say um, or I can say um, and one of them is going to be much longer than the other one. Yeah, the second one, the, the second one's like three times as long. Yeah, and this is something that will break your machine learning algorithm. Because it needs similar data to compare. It needs to have the same number of features. And a lot of times there are data sets that have mis missing features in them. But what you'll do is you'll sort of have that feature available to you, but just put a dummy value into it or something like that. The machine learning algorithm needs to have it available, even if it doesn't contain any sort of useful information. And a feature in this case is one of those many, many numbers. Yes, just one of those frames. Thank you. Got it. So if you have 5,000 features or 5,000 frames or numbers in a particular um, and then another one has 10,000 or something like then that. Then that's gonna break it. I see. Yeah. How do, you, how do you get around that? So I had one idea that didn't work, but let me tell you about it real quickly. So that idea was to, I take the longest one that I have, and I say this is this is the maximum length that I'm gonna do, and I'm going to upsample my shorter ones, fill in, interpolate points within the, the short um to stretch it out. So you're taking all the short ones and you're stretching them to be long enough, so that way they're the same length as the longest one. That's right. You're normalizing the length. That's right, and I wrote that code, and it worked, but then the thing that I realized is that while this would be very interesting for training just a machine learning algorithm that's gonna try to flag a particular set of frames as an um or not, this isn't something that I could actually deploy in uh, an online sort of speech recognition type algorithm because I never know in a given context how long an um is going to be. So saying I expect my um to always be a particular length and if it's shorter than that, I'm gonna stretch it out that's but you not can't, fly. you can't keep stretching out more and more and more all of your audio that would be computationally expensive to try and run it through the algorithm. Is that yeah, right? yeah. So this, so this upsampling, I think, in the end is not, it's an interesting idea. It's a cute idea, but it's not actually going to help us accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. So what was next? So the next thing. More thinking. <laughs> so the next thing that I did was I took the longest um length that I had. And I said, always make the windows this length. So I always had a start frame that I trusted. 
And then the longest window length that I happen to have was about 40,000 frames. Mm-hmm. So I said, from the starting marker, just count out 40,000 frames, and that's the window. And so the um might only fill half of that, but that's something that I'm gonna have to let the machine learning algorithm tease out. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so this I think will actually, that means that you're gonna get more noise because you're gonna have signal examples that have things other than ums in them, but I don't think there's a way around that for now. So I think this will hurt the performance of the algorithm in the long run, but it makes it something that you could actually maybe maybe deploy uh, in sort of this online fashion that it could actually detect things mm-hmm. as it's going through. So then the next thing was I had all my, my signal ums, I had all my background other junk that I just took Wait, random. Are you calling our podcast junk? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's really cool. So I, yeah, so I, I said I want a hundred background examples. So I just figured out what that frame length was, and I just took random slices of audio from this edited podcast that didn't have uh, ums in it. So it's other stuff. I don't know what it is, but it's just other stuff. This is the not um stuff. Yeah, and then I visualized those as well, and looks like. While there's a pattern in the ums, there is not a reliable pattern in the background stuff. So this is helpful. It looks like maybe there's some discrimination we can get here. And then and then I will tell you where I got stuck. So I had all this nice training data, and then I wanted to have a separate testing sample that I could feed now all of my ums and my not ums into something like a decision tree classifier. I could have it learn from these examples mm-hmm. what an um is. But then you want to have an independent test set that you use to evaluate it. So if you teach it with a certain example, this is an um, you need to have another example that has an um that it's never seen before. And if it gets that right, then it's figured it out. So that could be another one of our podcasts, for example. Yes. So I went into one of the podcasts that we taped last week, and I have accidentally gotten much better about saying um. (laughs) So instead of having 55 ums in this podcast, there were four. There were four ums. There were four ums. You got an order of magnitude better at ums? Apparently. Nice job. Yeah, not very helpful (laughs) for validating this machine learning algorithm. So there are a couple things I can do at this point. I I need to edit some more, so I think I'm just going to go in and try to make some more ums from an earlier episode where I think it was probably very likely more of a problem. You can also just use some of these routines in sklearn that take whatever data you give it and split it into a training and testing set so I wouldn't need to generate any more data. I could just use what I have already. So I can do either one of those. I haven't uh, crossed that bridge yet. But that's where we are right now. I'm Um, excited about this. I am too. You know, what I love about this is normally when you're talking about a project that you've done, or I'm sorry, normally when I'm talking about a project that I've done, I'll say, oh yeah, I just did A and then I did Z and then I was done, right? And I skip all of the stuff in between because I've forgotten it all. Yeah. (laughs) Like I forgot all of the places I got stuck and I got frustrated. And ultimately what I share is very unrealistic. And you see that all the time. Like, oh yeah, it's really easy. You just do blah, blah, blah. And then you're done. But it's very, very rarely that simple. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be honest, I spent a good week just figuring out how AIF encoding worked. Because <laughs> I, I had never used it before. And eventually I found someone who did uh, a pretty cool example. He was working with, they were trying to find whale calls. They had a bunch of audio files and some of them had whales in them and some of them were just a sort of ambient ocean noise. And oh, so he cool. had to take AIF files and encode them into 
integers, basically. So, and he wrote a blog post about doing this project. So you just grabbed his code. I did, yeah. <laughs> nice. It's like thank you. So there's there's some Google black magic going on in here to to figure out how to get around some of these little roadblocks. That was one of the bigger ones that I had. Um, and then obviously this issue of exactly how long the window should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to be continued, but uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to see where this goes and. Uh, I don't know, maybe we'll make our editing jobs a little bit easier <laughs> with machine learning. Yeah, well, we can we can hope. My guess is that it will never be as good of an editor as a human is. We'll just see. We'll try to get it up and running, and then we'll see how it goes. Linear Digressions is a podcast about data science and machine learning, produced and recorded in the studios of Udacity, a company dedicated to education. We've got some awesome courses made by people like Katie and me in data science and other tech fields. We should also remind you that all views expressed during this program were those of the speakers and not of Udacity. This is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you don't mind, leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>